0: I want to encourage you to be aware of things in your life, maybe even sometimes a a person. Be aware of holding on to an Isaac that the Lord's asking you to give up. I guess the first thing you'd have to do is identify what is an Isaac in my life. You know, maybe, I mean, Isaac was a blessing the Lord gave to Abraham. But how many of you realize you can never allow the blessing to, become more, to, be, to mean more to you than the one who blessed you? You never want the creation in your life to become greater than the creator. You never want to have something in your life that's more important to you that God gave you than him and who gave it to you. Never let the blessing become more important than the blesser. And now in Abraham's case, he got to the point where he was 100% willing to give his son up for the Lord. I mean, sacrifice him to the Lord. And because the Lord saw his full willingness, he he told him to back off. You don't have to do it. A lot of times God doesn't want you to do it, but he wants you to be willing to do it. You know what I'm talking about? This is how you can really unstick yourself from all this clutter of trying to hear from God. If you'll become 100% willing To do whatever the Lord wants you to do. Give whatever He wants you to give. Be whatever He wants you to be. Go wherever He wants you to go. Stay wherever He wants you to stay. It's a lot easier to hear from the Lord because you've gotten rid of all the the clutter and the, the mush that's trying to mess with your life with the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you, be open and be thinking about and praying about things in your life that the Lord may want you to give away. Now I will say this, Um, A lot of times, the cure for loving something too much is give it away. Sometimes the cure for covetousness is give that thing away. It'll break something in your life, something that needs to be broken. And again, we said earlier, God's not against His people being wealthy. He's opposed to His people being covetous, covetous. And so, just we want to encourage you. All these things go in line with prosperity. Yes, we need to know it's the Lord's will that we prosper. Yes, we need to know that He takes pleasure in the prosperity of us, His servants. But there's also some principles that we need to think about in this area as well. Giving, making sure we're not into covetousness, making sure things don't mean to... You know, I, I believe, personally, that the less things mean to you, the more God is able to add them to you. We got to hang on to these earthly things loosely. Mm-hmm. You follow? Rachel said the other day, uh, we, "We like the Abraham. You know, we're, we're called to follow in the same steps of faith of our father Abraham, and, and he lived in a tent because he knew he was just passing through. He looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. He wasn't just looking at natural things and natural places. He he and we need to in our hearts live like we're in a tent." I mean, the Lord says something, we're not stuck to anything, we can do it. And this is another reason the Lord wants us out of debt. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons He wants us out of debt, because He may want to call us somewhere that we can't go. If we've got so much debt, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can't realistically go because we're tied down. The Lord wants us untied, He wants us free. I mean, if he tells this church get 50 people together, get on a plane in two weeks, fly to Romania, help the Achans build a church, we could do it. Right. Yeah. No, we don't have all these ties. We don't have all these hindrances holding us down. Really, wealth, we're supposed to view wealth as ability to number one, get the gospel out. Help people. The number one Need in man's life is not physical food. And the great commission is not go to all the world and feed the poor. That's important. We do it as a church. We're going to to up it. We're going to continue to do it. But that's not the most important thing. What happens when they get their sandwich and they're still, you know, in an unregenerate state. The greatest thing we can do for people is preach the gospel to them. Support the preaching of the gospel, helping people in this area. And the devil fights it. I'm telling you, the devil, if you want to make Jesus happy and pleased, and the devil grieved and gnashed his teeth, believe in prosperity. Let the Lord prosper you. The enemy hates it, it pleases the Father. The Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 27, that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Go ahead and show that scripture. Psalm 35, 27. If you brought your Bible, let's, let's go ahead and start there. Psalm 35 and verse 27. You know, the Lord quickened to me that we need to go over some of the things Brother Keith shared with us. Because if we don't, they'll probably end up in our file cabinet under good sermons and they really won't be a part of our life. These words have got to get into our blood they got to get into our attitudes. they got to get into our lifestyle to the point to where, after a few weeks, we're just automatically doing some of these things that the Lord instructed us to do instead of always having to look at our list and see, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do today? It needs to be engrafted. It needs to get into our blood. And what Brother Keith shared with us is what the Lord Jesus shared with us. It it surprised me a little bit what the Lord shared with us through this tremendous connection we have with Him and partnership. But whether I think it's what we needed or not, it's what we needed. Whether you feel like it's what this church needed or not, it's what we needed. There's some people that didn't come to all three meetings because they didn't want to hear prosperity again. And it's exactly what the Lord wanted them to hear. But because they thought they didn't need to hear it, they didn't take it serious. And people that did that need to say, thank the Lord for archives. (laughs) Free downloads on the internet. Now right now it's on live stream to download or look at, but I think Rich this week is going to put those messages up on our archives to where the messages of Keith Moore will be on the archive section as well as the live stream section. So Psalm 35, 27, I just quoted it to you. It says, let them shout for joy. And that's what we need to do in our church a lot more. Shout for joy. Those spirits that we were talking about earlier, that that spiritual influence, you know, in our valley, that suppression, that, that whatever, that makes these spirits very uncomfortable when we're shouting for joy. You know, it might make them so uncomfortable they might want to leave and go try to influence some other city somewhere. Right? I don't know why certain evil spirits lack certain regions. I don't know why I have some opinions on that. But when Jesus was talking to the man possessed of the devil that had a legion, the devil spoke up and said, Jesus, please don't send us out of the country. Please don't send us out of the country. Why did the demons tell Jesus and that man that was possessed? Why did they use his voice and say, Jesus, we know you're gonna cast us out. We know you're gonna set this man free, but don't send us out of the country. Why did they like there's something about that region that they had control in over a lot of people for a long time and they didn't want to give it up? You can go to certain cities in the United States and even overseas. You can tell there's certain influences in these places, and it's not just a coincidence. There's certain spiritual influences that have been there for a long time that have dominated and influenced people for a long time that don't want to leave. I know, I can go to certain cities. You can sense it in Las Vegas. You can sense what spiritual influence has been there for thousands of years. I mean, maybe in that geographical location even before Adam and Eve. Could be. There was stuff going on on this planet before Adam and Eve. I'm not saying there were human beings here, but let's face it, church. This earth is not just 6,000 years old. It's a lot older than 6,000 years old. There's just a lot of stuff that happened that we don't need to know about. What we need to know about is redemption. Why would you tell Adam and Eve to replenish the earth if it wasn't plenished beforehand with something Moving right along. That's that's another series. But anyway, he... Let's let's read it. Shout for joy. Sorry, guys. I got a little sidetracked there. I got sidetracked on joy. I guess that's a good thing to get sidetracked on. Let them shout for joy and be glad. And that'll take care of this suppression in our valley. That favor my righteous cause, God said. Yes, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure. Anybody interested in giving the Lord pleasure? Here's one thing you can do to give him pleasure. Let him prosper you. Now, if you're living for the devil, or you're living for yourself only, the things of God mean nothing to you financially, this may not apply to you. But I don't believe that's anybody in this room today. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of those who favor his righteous cause, which number one is go to all the world and preach the gospel. Right? He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Mm-hmm. So I guess he doesn't, I shouldn't say I guess, it, it, it implies quite clearly here, God doesn't take pleasure in the prosperity of everybody. But he does take pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. It's interesting, if you'll read the book of Psalms, there were times King David was a little... Baffled while he saw the wicked prospering, he would say, Lord, what's going on here? The wicked are flourishing. And then one day he got a revelation and he said, You know what? I realize this the wicked do flourish like the grass. Did you ever read that in the book of Psalms? It says, The wicked flourish. Like the grass. Well, grass is not the, the way you want to flourish. Jesus spoke of grass as something that was soon cut down and burned into fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he said, now the righteous, they also flourish like a palm tree. Lasts a lot longer than the grass. Right. A lot sturdier. Have you ever seen hurricanes come in where the palm trees bend and they like bend half over? And then when it's over, they just go right back up. This, and it says, we'll flourish like a palm tree in like the cedars of Lebanon. That's different than flourishing like the grass that appears for a little time and is gone in the oven tomorrow or cut the next week. So, yeah, there's some flourishing in the kingdom of darkness, but it's all so temporary, and the end of it is destruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many know the end of the flourishing of the wicked is destruction? Yeah. But the righteous shall flourish as a palm tree, yeah. it just grows and grows steadily and grows and grows steadily and grows. The cedars of Lebanon. Man, you can build stuff with the prosperity and the flourishing of the righteous. I mean, you build houses out of you, build buildings. I mean, but the grass? So don't freak out if you see somebody who hates God, persecutes Christianity, who's flourishing. Yeah, the Bible says they're going to flourish for a little time like the grass. Don't envy them. You don't want to be burned in the oven just like they're going to be, right? You want to grow like a cedar or like a palm tree. And this scripture says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Say, that's me. Why don't you say it like this? God takes pleasure, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of me, in the prosperity of me. His, servant. His servant. I'm going to say it again. Let God prosper you. <clears throat> By number one, believe your Father wants to help you in this area. It all starts with believing. Believe that God wants you wealthy. Don't, don't equate wealth with what Hollywood says wealth is. Wealth is having resources more than enough for yourself to abound to every good work. It's ability to help people. It's ability to make a difference. It's ability and influence to help people in a positive way. Wealth is not just big diamonds on your fingers and nice Rolls Royces. Wealth is so much more than that. It's the ability to help get the gospel to people. Oh, man, when when Brother Keith was teaching in those three meetings, one of the greatest revelations that came to me was more wealth, more people in heaven. If the wealth comes into the right hands, there's going to be more people in heaven. No! No wonder the devil wants the church broke. No wonder he wants you thinking this is just natural teaching. Come on, pastor, teach us the more spiritual things, the more important things in life. What's more important than the church having more ability to print more Bibles, to send more preachers out to preach, to build more churches, to get more TV time with the gospel? What's more important than people getting saved? See, this is the sly trick of the enemy. Yes, some people have messed up in this area. Yes, some people have done wrong things with money. But it doesn't mean we're going to do wrong things with it doesn't mean we're going to just spend it on what we want only. Amen. Oh, some of the greatest joys of our life is when we've had enough to bless people who didn't have something or needed something. But you know, probably the the greatest blessing we've had is be able to write huge checks and give huge offerings in meetings like this and other meetings we've been to where their whole purpose is, is to get people saved, healed, and delivered. There's nothing like it. That's called laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves can't break through and steal. Everybody say this. It's okay okay to be rich. rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay okay. to be rich. What would you say? Number one, you just said it's God's will for them to be rich because it is. But number two, you just said, I don't think you're a fool. Turn to 3 John. 3rd epistle of John. Church, it's time to prosper. Have we been hindered? Some. Have we lost a few years? Yeah, but he's going to restore them. Have we been attacked? Uh Uh-huh. But one thing you need to know about your pastor. I refuse to quit. I absolutely refuse to quit to quit if I get to looking too strong at this, Carl and I were talking about this and I was slipping a little bit um, a while back but um, if you get to looking too much at your age and what hasn't happened yet that you thought would have happened 20 years ago you'll start to get sad and you're going to start to yield to this negative spiritual influence which is simply evil spirits that are hovering over trying to influence people but I decide, you know, I don't care if I'm 99. I'm still believing these things, and I'm still going to preach these things. I preached them when I was uh, 21, in nursing homes, just like I preached to you. I'm preaching them now. I'll be preaching. I don't retire or not retire in the natural or whatever. You never retire from serving the Lord. Don't. I'm preaching when I'm 99 might still play a few lead solos when I'm 99, too. Hey, I figure if Joshua or Caleb just got started when they were 80, why are we shutting down when we're 80? Come on, we need to break out of this world's way of thinking and quit thinking that when we get to 80, it's about over. Well, for, for one thing, Jesus changed the entire world forever. In three and a half years of ministry, right. I wonder what we can do if we're a hundred percent sold out to the Lord for three and a half years or more. I don't think this world has yet seen what God can do through a man totally sold out to Him. Nobody's peaked out. Nobody's hit the top. So, third John, verse two: Beloved, I wish that word "wish" in the original is "pray." So John the Beloved, the Apostle of the Lord, is praying above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So for the born-again believer who's staying in the Word and you know living for God, the next greatest thing in the Lord's mind for His people is that they prosper. If you're born again, if your soul is prospering, you're, you're in a steady diet of the Word, you're living for God, you're advancing in the things of God, the next greatest thing, according to God, for the believer, now I know not according to a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of church people, but according to God, which is what I'm more concerned about, the next greatest thing is that you prosper. This is important to your Father for you to have. I mean, think if it's, the, if it's this important to the Father, it should be this important to us. To want it. Now you and I need some prosperity right now that we don't even know why we need it yet. But we're going to know in the days ahead. And you're going to be glad you believe for it. So when those opportunities come, you have it. You're not having to scurry around trying to believe for it. There's some things we need to believe for now that you're going to find out why a year from now. There's some things you're going to need to have in your life, in your possession now, or in the next few months or whatever, that you're going to be glad you got because of the opportunities that come your way a year and a half to two years from now. How I many know it's good to have the resources when the Lord deals with you about meeting a need? And a lot of times you've got to have the resources before you even know that need's coming up. So we need to believe for things that it looks like we don't even need right now. I said, we need to believe for some things that it looks like we don't even need right now. Because of some things that are going to come your way. Hurting people. Opportunities to advance the gospel. Right? Are you listening? We need to believe for some... Like we're saying, we're getting our lands, our buildings, our houses. What do I need with land? Well, get it and find out later. You'll find out later why you needed it. Why why do we need houses? Plural. Get the houses if the Lord's dealing with you about it and find out later why you needed more than one. Maybe there's a life-saving reason you don't even know about right now as why you need to be believing for that. And it's not easy to believe for God for things in this world that the devil's the God of. Satan's the God of this world. It's not the easiest thing in the world to believe for things in this world to come to you supernaturally. But love will motivate you to do it. I like to say it this way. Faith says you can have certain things. You can have anything through faith. You can have healing. You can have deliverance. You can have prosperity. You can have peace of mind. You can have the perfect person as a spouse. You can have anything you need and want by faith. Faith says, I can have it. All things are possible to him that believes. Faith says, I can have it. I can have peace of mind. I can have freedom from depression. All things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said that. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. Did you know freedom from chronic depression is possible to him that believes? Or Jesus lied? I'm going to go with Jesus didn't lie. Healing and Deliverance from chronic depression is possible to me that believes because Jesus didn't lie. So faith says, I can have it. But you add love to your faith. Now you have to have it. Amen. Come on, church. If you have to have it, you'll get it. I said, if you have to have it, child of God, you'll get it. Your God-given abilities will rise up and you'll get it. If it's just I can have it, I don't know if that's strong enough. But if you have to have it as a child of God with faith, the faith of God and the love of God on the inside of you, and the, you'll get it. See, we live at the level we're willing to put up with. I'm not willing to put up with certain levels of finance. Situ- I, it's time to go up. Not for, not for us personally. We need to love supporting the gospel and giving more than we even want things for ourselves. When you get there, certain things will go into motion quick to bring good things into your life you haven't been seeing yet. Yeah. Keith and Phyllis, they said that they can trace the breakthrough in their finances back to the day they decided to love tithing and giving more than things they wanted or needed in their vision lists and things they wanted personally. They said they could trace their breakthrough back to that day where they made the decision in their heart, tithing and giving is going to be a greater joy to us than us receiving things we want for ourselves. They said that was the day they had a breakthrough. Mm, that was worth coming to church right there. So he's saying here, above all things believer, I want you to prosper and I want you to be in health even as your soul prospers. One of the reasons I wanted to read this scripture to you is because for a long time now, years now, I have been praying this very prayer over this church. That everybody, and this isn't the only prayer I pray, of course, but in my prayers, the Ephesian prayers and praying in the Spirit, this is one of the things I've been praying over this church for a long time, and that is, beloved, that you would prosper. Above all things, that you, the people in this church, would prosper and be in health even as their souls prosper. Even as their mind is being renewed to the Word of God in these areas. And even as they're developing spiritually. And the Lord revealed this to me, that one of the reasons the Lord sent Keith Moore to our church to teach on prosperity is an answer to my prayers. See, me praying, beloved, that you prosper and be in health... That doesn't just magically happen because I prayed it. God starts orchestrating things like sending Keith here and giving us revelation and opportunities to give so that that prayer can be answered Mm -hmm. because of the equipping that's coming our way, the opportunities that are coming our way. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord answered my prayer. I can't think of a better way to come up in prosperity than for the Lord to send Keith Moore here and teach on prosperity. Now, listen how I say this, because I want you to be cautious. Keith Moore, right now, is the best minister, outside minister for this church that we could have in the whole world. There's a lot of great ones, there's a lot of good ones. But I understand and recognize divine connections. Keith Moore, for us, I'm not saying for the church down the road, but for us, for this church and our callings and our, our uniqueness and our parts in the body of Christ, Keith Moore is the best. And the Lord sent the best to us. And the Lord, through him, said, church, it's time to prosper. It's time to pursue It's time to move forward in. It's time to pick up in. Get going again in this area. And and if you don't understand it all right now, just believe that there's a very serious, powerful reason for it. Do what the Lord said and we'll find out in a few from now why He did this even more than what we realize at the moment. There's a reason He wants us to... One thing I'll tell you this. The Lord's called us to take this valley. Through Brother Keith, a few years ago, he pointed to us right here on the front chair and said, to me and to Carla, and of course to those that are called to help us, I've given you this valley, and we knew he meant the Grand Valley, he was flying in over, he told us how he was flying in, he saw the whole valley from the air, like we have that uh, big poster in the hallway there, he saw it, and the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, I've given this valley to John and Carla and to those called to help. And he pointed at us and said, the Lord said, I've given you this valley, lay hold on it, possess it, take it, I've given you this valley. This valley is yours, this valley is yours. Pointed to Carla, pointed to me, and we received it. And I was thinking about that, I said, Lord. Then I talked to another great man of God who would confirm this to us in a very powerful way. We're actually at the mall. And, and he started prophesying to us and started saying these things to us about what Brother Keith, he hadn't even heard what Brother Keith said. He just started sharing it out of his own heart. And I was real humbled and thinking, wow, Lord, okay, so I was thinking, the Lord's given us, I got thinking. The Lord gave us cities. Plural. I remember I immediately thought the Lord gave that, he was teaching one day, the Lord Jesus was teaching, and he told the people, He's gonna give this man ten cities. Because of certain faithfulness. And this man, five cities. And this man, two cities. and I always thought that was just for the by and by. Now I do believe there's a connection between how faithful we are on this side for what we're going to have on the other side. I guess if the Lord gives you cities on this side and you're faithful with it here, maybe you'll have some cities in the millennium. And why would he say that? And I was looking on the map. Six or seven cities from... uh, Mac to Palisade. Is Whitewater a city? Forgive me. <laughs> Forgive me if you live in White Is Whitewater a city? Come on, college students. Is, is it a city? Is Clifton is a city? Right? Fruitvale is not. Appleton is not. Okay, they have their own zip code. <laughs> I feel like Jesse Waters, he interviews all these people on the streets and they give their most crazy answers. But anyway. I, I was. Watch, we were just watching the other night. This guy's interviewing people on the streets in, in New York or somewhere. And he says, "So, uh, so what? What country were we free from when we declared our independence?" And he goes, "Virginia." <laughs> <laughs> no, he asked one guy on the street. He said, "So, do you remember the date that we declared our independence?" This other guy goes, "1984." <laughs> goes a little earlier than that. 1884. <laughs> students. Some of them. Anyway. So, the Lord's given us cities. And what He meant by that is He wants us to reach the precious people in these cities with the gospel that saves, heals, and delivers. Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. Well, I got to thinking there's a lot of resources we need to get more on the ball in doing this. There's some things you know when this building's paid off but even before that if the Lord says do it we're going to do it even before the building's but it's just going to help when it is. Um, You know I looked at it I called our banker a few weeks ago or a couple months ago now and said I'd like the amortization schedule of the building payoff and she sent me this amortization schedule I don't remember the exact figures but we'll be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars if we pay this building off in the next few years couple years. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, what that could do for outreach. And I'm not saying getting loans is wrong or a sin. It's just there's a time to get out of debt. And it's time for this church to get out of debt. We've had some straggly things long enough. And if we'll just believe God for seed to sow, He'll give it to us. I want to sow $10,000. We'll believe God for seed to sow. And then when it comes in, remember what you told the Lord. I'll sow it, Lord. You bring it in and I'll sow it. Turn with me to Psalm 112. Let me share a few more things with you here. So my prayer is being answered. My prayer has been answered. My prayer is being answered. That we're coming up. We're coming up. Some of the things, sometimes you have to identify poverty poverty spirits that maybe we thought were normal way of living and actually address those things and just, just act against them because you have to watch out about this attitude of Lack. You know. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So in Psalm 112, I want you to notice verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip down to verse 10. The Bible says, Praise you, the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears or reverences the Lord or worships the Lord. Blessed is the man that delights greatly in His commandments. His children will be powerful on the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. That's your grandkids and all. Wealth and riches shall be in your house, and His righteousness endures forever. So before we go to verse 10, think about this. Prosperity must be good if it's the result of doing good. How many think delighting greatly in what the Lord wants you to do is good? Well, prosperity must be good because prosperity is the result of doing good right and another thing you need to realize church is prosperity is not just for the super talented the the models that look amazing right prosperity is for people who take obeying the lord seriously you don't even have to have higher education to do that in the natural This scripture says wealth and riches is not just for the talented. It's not just for the good looking. It's not just for those growing up in a royal family. It's not just for those who have lucky breaks, so to speak. Prosperity is for anybody who loves the Lord and wants to do His will and actually enjoys it. Right? Delight greatly in His commandments. That's different than duty only. Duty or delight? And I'm sorry, I can't teach delight into you. You're just going to have to get that from your own personal relationship with the Lord. I don't know why one person loves going to church and another person drags himself to church every week. I don't know. That's something between that person and the Lord. You have to just press in and get that right on your own. I know this. It says the Macedonians, who gave tremendous offerings to Paul in their deep poverty, first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, by the will of God, Paul said. But, the next, now look at verse 10. Alright, so the devil's watching all this. Oh, these people are praising God, and they're delighting in His commandments, and their children are powerful on the earth, and wealth and riches are in their house. What does that do to the devil? The wit- now, I told you we're going to go over some of the things Brother Keith shared, because if we don't, they'll get away from us, church. The wicked shall see this in your life, your prosperity doing well, your children doing well, and it's going to grieve the wicked. He will gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Personally, I don't mind the wicked being grieved at my prosperity. Actually, I want it. I want the wicked grieved. And the sad sad thing about it is there's even some church people that are not going to be happy when you get a bigger house than them. They're going to start persecuting you. There's some people that are going to write you ugly notes when you get that car you finally believed God for. I know, I've gotten them. There's going to be some people that are going to want to disown you because of certain clothes you wear and certain levels of prosperity that you've reached. It's going to make them mad. And they're going to go... They're going to gnash with their teeth. They're not going to like it. But they need to deal with it because we're going up for the Lord's sake and we're going up for the preaching of the gospel's sake. Right? We're going up. Everybody in this church, I don't care where your state is right now. I don't care if you've lived on the streets, if you lived in a palace. I don't care. We're all coming up. There's an anointing on this church and it's lifting us up. And you talk about fun. If you think receiving is fun, wait till you start getting in this avenue of giving more. (laughs) Jesus said it's more blessed, more prosperous, more advantageous, more joyful to give than it is to receive. There's certain joys you will never experience in life unless you're a giver. Especially in this area of helping people get saved, healed, and delivered. Absolutely amazing. Say this, we are all, we are all coming, up. coming up. The Lord didn't send Brother Keith here just so we could hear a great message and say amen and stay in, our same, stay in our same level of prosperity. He wants us coming up, church. He wants us coming up. Just a couple more things and we'll close. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you want what grieves the wicked? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because it pleases the Lord that you prosper. Brother Keith mentioned two things. Now we know tithing. We've been talking about tithing. Tithing is a part of the laws of prosperity. Some people say, well, do we tithe under grace? Well, do you work under grace? Do you plant seeds and dirt under grace? Or do you just expect a harvest of corn to come up because you're under grace? See, Grace helps these things to work perfectly. They don't mean we don't do anything. It means it helps what we do to work perfectly. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it didn't say you're redeemed from sowing and reaping and all these blessings are just going to float down from the sky. He said you're redeemed from sowing much and reaping little. Reaping little is a curse. You're supposed to reap much when you sow much. So in 2 Corinthians 9... In verse 6 through 10. This I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Most people, even you know, second graders, know that. Why would he take up Holy Scripture to tell us this? He's telling us this because it works the same way when you give financially or materially to support the work of the Lord, or even other things the Lord tells you to give toward. He's telling us here that if you sow sparingly in this giving area, you can expect to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you can expect to reap bountifully. Next verse tells us he's talking about giving. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, when it comes to offerings, it's more about what you're purposing in your heart. Tithing is already... Spelled out real clear. They knew 10% belonged to the Lord. We know that. 10% is the Lord's. That's a set deal. We understand that's, that's the 10% solution that God's given to man. Offerings is a different area. You've got a purpose in your heart. This is something you're not required. This is not the Lord's. This is yours to do what you want with. Now, I always look to the Spirit of God for direction you know, and help. But a lot of this is just purposed in your own heart when it comes to offerings. When it comes to offerings... You know, you can't really give an offering to God out of something that's already His. You know what I mean by that? You can't really say tithing is an offering to the Lord because the tithe is already His. We're just returning that. But when it comes to offerings, this is something you purpose in your own heart to give and you don't do it grudgingly or won't be acceptable. You don't do it just because you have to or need to. God loves a cheerful giver. Next verse. What's God able to do for cheerful givers? He's able to make all grace abound toward cheerful givers. And that's why I wanted to bring the scripture up when Keith and Phyllis said that the breakthrough could be traced back to their genuinely changing on the inside and being more happy about giving than getting what they want. That's when their breakthrough happened. They didn't say their breakthrough happened when they decided to be more of a giver. They said their breakthrough happened when they decided to be more cheerful about their giving than their getting. Than their own personal needs and dreams and wants coming to pass. That's when their breakthrough happened. That's the heart issue. That is the heart issue right there. Cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every Good work. One more scripture and we'll close. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Wow, I think it's Ephesians 4. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, it's Ephesians 4. You know, church, another thing I want to say is before we read this scripture... In Haggai's day, the people were in a similar situation to a lot of church people today. They were sowing much. They were reaping little. uh, They were earning wages as if they earned wages to put it in a bag with holes in it. In other words, they earned the money and it's like they put it in a bag and it just was gone almost immediately because of bills and things breaking down. and, And God said to those people of Haggai's day, which I believe is one of the things he's saying to the church today in a lot of circles is that you need to consider your ways. If this is happening to you in this financial area, if you, if you feel like you can't get out of this hole, you're just not, you, you just keep working, and you're not increasing, and you're working, but you're not increasing. You're sowing, but your harvest is very small, if at all. You need to consider your ways. And the ways they needed to consider was this. They had put their own house, their own things, their own wants and their own desires above God's things in God's house. And really, if, if you want to do it, you, you want to put Matthew 6.33 at the top of the book of Haggai because that's what the book of Haggai is all about. It's all about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all these things that you need, all these things the heathen is going after would be added to you. Nice stuff, nice cars, nice things. Again, that's ability, right? I many know if you got a car. You can give somebody a ride to church. They could get saved in that church service. And then you can go praise the Lord for the prosperity for the car, because that helped somebody get to heaven. But the whole book of Haggai is about people adjusting their priorities and adjusting their lifestyles to where the things of God and the things of the house of God were more important to them than their own things at home. And the Bible says they got it together. And they began to work. And right at the very beginning stages, it says in Haggai 2.18, it says right at the beginning stages, God said, now that you've adjusted, and now that you've put me first, and you're serious because you've laid the foundation, from this day forward, I'm going to bless you. Previously, they were not blessed. They were under a curse. It's not that the Lord wanted it. They just got out from the umbrella. And the Lord was able to start blessing them, and things were changed, things were fixed. Powerful. Great book. Haggai. Real short book. You need to read it, because he's going to ask you when he got to heaven if you read his book, and it'd be embarrassing if he hadn't, right? (laughs) So finally, church, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 28. The Bible says, Let him that stole steal no more. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands, labor working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Now, I'm going to take you back about 15 years. When Keith Moore came to our church about 15 years ago, he taught on some of these things. And isn't it nice how patient the Lord is and how He just keeps giving us the Word and giving us the Word and not giving up on us and saying, Okay, let's just just try this again. Let's do this again. It was about 15 years ago, and He was teaching on these things, and the Lord started giving me some prophecy for the church. And I started prophesying it out, and I think it was partly in a song, and it started to rhyme. and, And the whole prophecy was based on this. God's way for His people to prosper is different than the world's way. The world's way, working and earning. Working and earning. Working and earning. Working and earning. He said, my way for the, my people is sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. sowing." Did you know your sowing and reaping will continue to prosper you even if this whole economy shuts down? Because sowing and reaping is spiritual and supernatural. And I like what he said here because really a lot of our earning should be seed. And you don't mean not be there overnight, but we should start progressing overnight. I know Carl and I, we, we've tried to progress. We haven't progressed as much as we hope, but we're going to catch up. If we just increased our giving 1% every year, do you know that now, now we're not quite there yet, we're close, but we're not quite there, that means 10% tithe, 30% offerings. And we live on sixty percent. Well, that's just increasing one percent a year. Did not Paul say we should abound in this grace? You know, one percent seems like nothing until twenty years goes by, right? Yeah. Right. And so we're, we're we've looked at it. actually today we're, we got a we got a financial meeting today. Me, Carla, and the Holy Ghost. We're going over a bunch of things today. We're we're getting more. The Lord said get more serious about sowing. Get more serious about reaping. And get more serious about managing what's left over. Know the state. Be diligent. Everybody say diligent. Diligent. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Taxes, increase, principal, interest, loans, bills, budgeting, Why? Because it's serious stuff. I mean, you you talk about an accountant. You talk about somebody who's serious about accounting. The Lord knows every hair on our head and all the people on this planet. Which one falls out, which one stays in, this new one that grows. You talk about an accounting system. He knows when every bird falls from the sky. He knows the number of all of our hairs hourly. He knows when three fell out and four grew in. That's a count. You know, there's something about knowing, being diligent to know the state of your finances. If budgeting is new to you, I'm sure there's plenty of helps on the internet, Quicken, QuickBooks, whatever. It's time. I mean, you, you need to know that what's coming in. This is for goat's milk. This is this is for a bill. This is for savings. This is for. I should have said sewing first. I mean, we need to be diligent. God will prosper us when we're ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and get, part of these things is getting ready. God, if God turned up the increase in some people's lives right now, it'd give them migraine headaches when it comes to tax time. Are you following me? They wouldn't be in church for four months because they'd be always be on the lake, traveling the world. Let's show the Lord we're ready, church. can we? Let's show the Lord. And so when it comes to this working area, just realize that a lot we're not supposed to work for a living. (laughs) That's not how we live. We work for a giving. And in that giving comes the supernatural harvest that God promised. And now we live off of our harvest more than we live off of our paycheck because we've tapped into these principles that God established thousands of years ago. Sowing and reaping. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's stand up, dearly beloved.